0: Okay, let's do it then. Alright, one, two, three. Howdy, and welcome to Cast Protection Episode 9. We are finally back for the new year with a roundtable discussion of Season 1. My name is Jonathan Kreitz, and I am joined as always by Dave Atterberry. Hello, friends. And Mr. Chris Tyler. Hello! And for tonight's episode, we are also joined by our capos from Demonzo Core HQ, Chris Honeywell... Hello. And Scott McGregor. Greetings. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah. Um We've been planning for a, a while, and this just kind of got put on the back burner to do a kind of roundtable season one discussion episode, but we were more than happy to get a few other uh friendly voices onto the show, so welcome.
1: The only reason you guys have this podcast is because you beat me to it. Um, actually, <laughs> quick on the draw. Yeah, cause as soon as I saw their show, I was like, I want to do, I want to talk about this.
0: Yeah, well, I'm glad you're on here then. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be good. Uh, I think we're going to start off tonight basically with, uh, just some overall thoughts about the season as a whole. You know, we really took it piece by piece in the, in the normal episodes, but we're going to do a, I guess this is a discussion of the show overall and kind of go from there. So who wants to start, uh, just with their thoughts about season one? I'll go. Okay. Let's hear it. Let's hear it.
2: Um, yeah, I started watching this just because everybody was, was, was a tarkin' about it. And, uh, I loved it. Um, I wouldn't say it's the greatest thing ever made. I think it's, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's an odd contraption. I think if it, any one of the components of it didn't work, if the writing, the acting, the production values, like the production design and the music, weren't all so strong and cohesive, if any one of those factors was not up to snuff, I probably really wouldn't have liked it. I probably would have chalked it all up to pure nostalgia. But, boy, it was pr- brilliantly written, the the production design of capturing the 80s and not just like your your sort of stereotyped view of the 80s was spot on the characters were spot on the kids were you know the kids were cut from the the spielberg mold of uh kids in in a movie and uh yeah, I just I, I I couldn't get enough of it. You know, I was I was using it as a treat to get to make <laughs> podcasts. Basically, <laughs> when I get a podcast done, I could sit down to an episode of of Stranger Things.
0: You know, I think that's uh, I think we all kind of came around to that same that same point. I mean, if it was only nostalgia that was bringing you into the show. You know, that might have been entertaining some, but I think what really did take the show to the next level was its writing. And I, and I actually feel like the emotional kind of hook into the story is, uh, through lots of different characters really. But to me, that's what really kind of put it on that next level than just, you know, a cool mashup of a bunch of things we all like.
2: Which um, was appealing for the 20 somethings that I worked with and you know, they didn't, I mean, I was wondering, you know, maybe this appeals to me so much because it just, you know, reaches right back into my past so much, you know, it, it evokes those memories so much, but it was and it's hard to tell, you know, being that age it's hard to separate that from me and go if I was like 15 to 20 years old would this still have would would this still be interesting to me and apparently it is. So that's yeah. that's yeah, the big success of it.
3: Well, it's it's the thing that separates it from Super 8, which is Kind of a spiritual relation to it. Super Eight is very mo- similar. Movies is mostly nostalgia without the. It's trying for the heart of a Spielberg movie, but it doesn't quite get there.
2: See, I, I really liked Super Eight. I, I, I did too. It had a heart in it, but but when you compare it to
3: this, <laughs> there's, there's yeah. a difference.
1: Well, a yeah, plan. that's almost an unfair comparison. This had eight hours to do it, and that's um, true so too. I mean,
3: but yeah. it, it still, even things just like the the feeling of it super eight feels like a slick hollywood movie stranger things yeah. feels like yeah a lot more production lives.
4: yeah well you know it's funny I, I just watched red the other day with my kids and and it's funny like when you say that i think the difference is there's just a hint in super eight of that like that kind of wink wink remember all this you know what i mean it, it kind of pokes the nostalgia button just one time too many. Whereas, uh, I, that was the thing I felt like watching Stranger Things. They never really. They,
2: they knew were just living. have to do that. And, it was yeah.
4: a lived
1: in universe. It just yeah, felt absolutely. organic. It felt like absolutely. that's where you were. That's what I was
4: going to say. Like the, the characters were just living in the 80s. They weren't standing yeah. around looking at each other like, look at us in the 80s. Isn't this awesome? Right. Uh, right. You well,
2: well, you know, the buyer's house was, was a mess, you know? That's. I, yeah. I mean. Reminded yeah. me a little of uh, Scott McGregor. Remember my friend Chuck's house, in, <laughs> yeah. in in a lot of ways, you know, a house where things have broken down a little bit, and like there were you, even stranger kind of, monsters
1: uh, in that house. Oh. You
2: could see like you could see like where the uh, the line on the the handles of the doors and the cabinets were all you know were they were all grubby from people grabbing the cabinets and stuff, and it yeah. hadn't been washed in
1: a while. Yeah. Well, the thing that grabbed me first uh, about this was just, and again, it's more of a subjective thing that wouldn't resonate as much with everyone. It's my age. It's where I'm from. Because Hawkins, Indiana is like literally the town I grew up in. I mean, not in Indiana, but it's a clone of Black River, New York, where I grew up in. I mean, it's, you know, a little village in a big wooded area, you know, lots of dark, mysterious places you can go. Cool structures over on the island behind my house. You know, and these were my friends, and we'd go off on adventures like this with significantly <laughs> less interdimensional Mil- monsters. Military but, base with yeah, secret- yeah, big, <laughs> big military base right in the backyard, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and all kinds of aircraft going over yeah. And all hours. Yeah, oh so, no, we had top
2: secret militaries shit oh, going yeah. on in our backyard, and um, so. Didn't we all at
4: that age?
1: So that really just, you know, that was like, that transported me probably more than anything. And just the way the, the set dressing and the art direction and the way that characters are dressed in a TV with rabbit ears, you know, just the, the attention to detail on this uh, couldn't, again, would it work with a 20 something or, um, who knows? But I mean, for people mine, Chris's age, you know, it just dragged you willingly back into that era, you know. So they, well, they just nailed it so well. Uh, yeah, and it's... My, my uh, housemate is has uh,
2: is done set design work for, like, small movies and independent movies, and her first assignment was... I think they filmed it. I think she had to go to New York City to film it. And it was about a young, in-the-closet gay guy who meets Madonna and goes to see Madonna because he idolizes her and realizes that he probably shouldn't have a girlfriend type thing but you know she was designing the set for his bedroom right and she was going to you know second hand stores and getting stuff and she was getting very frustrated because she would get stuff and the director would be like I want one of these in here and she was just like this this isn't you know that's something that you associate with the 80s but it's not something this person would have in their bedroom you know right. it's, mm. it's 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 yeah. but you know but they they were like no no we need to have this and this And by the end, you know, she ended up with something that looked like an MTV set, you know, and they were like, perfect, you know, this is perfect. And that's that's something that that Stranger Things really got right. And so especially when you're dealing with like this, it seems the 60s, the 70s and the 80s, it seems like those three generations really get, you know, just the sort of pop. Culture treatment a lot of times when they get portrayed in a movie, you know everybody's groovy in the 60s. Everybody's groovy in the seventies too, though actually a yeah. yeah. different kind of groovy. They're, they're funky groovy
1: in the seventies. Only one person uttered groovy or you know in this at all. Yeah, well,
2: there were uh, in the 80s no nobody. They were going like, felt oh, way to yeah. the beach,"
1: or you know they weren't
2: saying all the stupid eighties <laughs> phrases. And yeah, stuff. nobody
3: was watching MTV. Nobody was listening to Michael Jackson. The the eighties the yep. stuff was there, but. It, you know it would have been easy to have like one of the kids wearing a you know a sparkly glove like Michael Jackson or something you know
1: like it would have been easy to do that right. but and, and even the musical choices in this were not what you would consider <laughs> not really ortho- orthodox for something that's trying to be like a nostalgia show and i think it's it's very wise that they they stayed away from a lot of what would be considered i guess the staple 80s songs that you would use in a movie so and they weren't all '80s songs. You know, no, were, there's
3: some anachronisms uh-huh. in there, but the, everything they picked was totally appropriate for the scenes that they put them in.
1: Well, yeah, and
4: I think. Forgive me. What year was it that it took place in? '83. '83. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, it, it was still early. I mean, it, you know, that time in the '80s was still, the '70s were still bleeding out. You know,
0: the '80s is the '80s '80s that I think most people remember was still a couple of years off, you know, well, especially probably in a small town too. Right. I mean, they're probably, yeah, a little, a little behind a little lag compared were to maybe still a big the city 70s. or something. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. That's where like I grew up. Yeah. 83 and in, in my town was, it was in, 1979 in any other city. Right. <laughs> right.
2: And you can see their houses were, were, were eighties, but they were still mired in the seventies and wallpaper, the telephones,
1: wall- yep. the cars. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the school. I mean, yeah, that was like my, you know, even an uh, older version of my middle school, and uh, and the Dungeons and, the, and Dragons starting mm-hmm. everything out was just perfect too. And that That's was a, the most t- realistic Dungeons and Dragons yeah.
2: game on on ever portrayed in a movie or TV. Exactly. Usually Dungeons and Dra- I wasn't really a Dungeons and Dragons player. I played a little when it first came out, and I thought it was neat, but it's always just this, this ridiculous. You know version of it. Whenever you see it, uh, it's either like yeah, you know the made for TV movies where they everybody's falling, <laughs> in, you know into ritual sacrifice, or just a or just a like sort of exaggerated caricatured version of it. This was no, like this was much...
1: uh, Mike. Mike was Chuck Champagne as, as a friend, yes, uh, as a DM. I mean yes, he, he was, and Chuck even had the big box of metal. You know, I I fought the the G, Demogorgon. I've used that that particular you know little statue, little pewter
0: statue.
1: so it's like, whoa, yeah, flashback. That was
0: one deficiency in my uh, ability to review this show properly. I'd say was that I've never uh, played Dungeons and Dragons or any other game anything. like that. Yeah, our,
2: our friend Chuck used to call himself Charles E. Demogorgon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Yeah. There you go.
0: Yeah.
1: So. Yeah. <laughs> except and you would, Mike, you know? except I would say
2: it in Linda Blair voice <laughs> Charles e. <Gimo.
1: laughs> yes you would
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that <craziness>. nice. <laughs> now that's something that's funny that uh the whole Dungeons and Dragons like motif or I don't know what you would call it, 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 it we never really discussed it in the overall but I mean do you think that all the kind of stuff related to their game that almost ended up being the actual events of the show in terms of the monster in terms of him using the slingshot like all these kind of things to me that almost tied into their campaign do you think it's because maybe like the monster or l or whatever when all that was going on kind of picked up on them doing all that and it I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to. Interrupt. I think, I definitely, say you're I think all definitely, related somehow. You to could the, you definitely
2: know. say that. That's how. I mean, that's how Stephen King would have written it.
0: You know. Oh, right. Yeah. I
2: mean, that's um, definitely how Stephen King would have written it. And it's the kind of thing where it could just be nods and winks for the second time you watch it through, and then you watch him play D and D and go like, "Oh, that's funny," you know. It, or, you know, it could be yeah. a little, but I, 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 prefer since they're messing with alternate realities and stuff and, and, uh, you know, uh, she, uh, um, Ella is such a mystery that like, you know, that they, they purposely left that open or, you know, it, it, they got to leave. So if, I don't know if they were planning on a second season when they did it, I'm sure they were thinking about it, but you got to leave. Some of those things in there to, to expound upon
3: it, you know. Well, that's directly the the last part of the last episode is the their campaign finishes early. They kill the monster, and then they go. Well, what about the blah 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 and the blah 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 and the blah blah yeah. blah? Yeah. yeah, So it's. I mean, is that the is that the stuff that's going to be in Hints season for two? next season? Yeah, it could be. I,
1: I I'm glad you said that though that theory because I like that because. Um, originally that was like one of my little nitpicks is that it almost felt a little too forced. Uh, uh, but I yeah. like that theory
0: that it could be, you know, them actually molding reality to a certain extent. Or um, like, what I guess I was thinking not as much they were, but L and right. Eleven oh, the and the event. monster and all that was happening simultaneously, we're you know, forming, at the lab yeah, was inform- a... right, informing the events that were actually about to happen yeah. because she kind of you know, just picked up on what they were doing for some reason.
1: Which they obviously could have made, you know, more clear if they had made the thing actually look more like the Demogorgon. Right. But I think that's ambiguous enough that that's, you know, who knows if it's intentional or not, but it's great that it well, sparks that kind of debate. <laughs> when you're
2: talking parallel dimensions, you know, right. theoretical dimensions, you know, it could be the people playing the D and D game that are creating you know, those. D McGorgan
1: could have been influenced by you know the the guy watching the the thing with his girlfriend. You know, right when they, the they, when, they when,
2: when they turned on <laughs> the you know when they turned on the vortex or whatever the interdimensional what's some of the jigger, then you know maybe it just lined up with them playing Dungeons and Dragons and brought stuff into it. You know, there's so sure. there, you could go in so
1: many directions. My god, that's what we're going to find out that the monster and the upside down is actually like an amalgam of the cur- of the decade that it, that it currently manifests itself in because it's obviously all these references to different 80s and 70s movies and everything. And it's kind of a blender of the thing and alien and poltergeist and all these other things. And yeah, it's
2: got a lot, there's a little bit of HP Lovecraft. going so, you yeah, Well, Yeah. Sure. So,
1: but maybe it's actually mm-hmm. manifesting the culture that it's, it's intruding on into. So it's like yeah. it then. Yeah. Well, which is I mean, there's been a lot of speculation of interest, that it's, too. that it's L also.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I don't think was ever, obviously I don't think that was 100% resolved in the end of season one is, you know, her relationship with the beast was it like her, you know, creature from the it, or id? Yeah, like, yeah, or well, something well, like well, that, head. exactly. Well, I took it
1: something. as it was presented in that, you know, that she just kind of. What she that. broke
3: the dimensional barrier and allowed her yeah, to make it contact
1: way with it. into this world. Um, you know, she's basically, well, they used all kinds of different, you know, things. Well, and I, I mean, she's doing honestly, remote viewing
0: for them and, and eventually, you know
1: punched into something else by doing right that. so i think
0: you could definitely take it that way that she just found this terrible thing on the other side but i think i don't think it's 100 percent clear at the end especially with the way she kind of defeats it that it's not i don't know i definitely got a sense that it could be part of her somehow or she is it as well or i don't
1: know and yeah. that goes back
0: to the you know the very very first scene not first scene but next to first scene when, uh, and we talked about this briefly, I know, in one of our episodes, you know, they're arguing about the X-Men comic they're gonna win based on the race, which was about, you know, the Dark Phoenix story in X-Men, which is this classic story. But I mean, it's like all her repressed emotions and feelings and everything else. Uh.
3: Yeah. If they're
2: drawing comparisons with her and Jean Grey, that's not a good thing, yeah, pretty much. No. But and you, I, you uh, see
0: where I, I think there's, I think there's some possibility there. I don't think I'd be disappointed if they didn't go that way. But I, I think there's room that that could be.
1: Well, one of the things I thought, I, I thought when they first mentioned the, uh, the X-Men issue that the, uh, maybe the writers were actually being a little lazier, or that they'd made a mistake because, and, and maybe I was looking for a more orthodox, you know, what a more mainstream writer would put into this script and that I figured that they meant to reference. 137, which was obviously the culmination of the, the Dark right. Phoenix squadron, squadron No, they went uh, really saga.
0: dirty. <laughs> uh, someone right. been watching Rebels.
1: And then I, I read the article. <laughs> I don't know exactly what the issue was off the top of my head. I'm furiously aware. Yeah, it's not quite. It is
0: 134.
1: 134, which was actually, I, I saw an article explain how that was
0: actually more relevant to the story, and it was very intentional that they picked that particular issue. Um, Well, isn't that the one, well, I can't, I didn't see this article, but isn't that where they're in the Hellfire Club, is that right? And then Jean's, like, being controlled by Mastermind or something? Like, she's being, she's in almost like a dream state, like he's got her in this dream world or something? I'm looking it up right now. Um, Okay, well, while you look that up.
2: I vaguely remember that episode. That's what drives her
0: to the dark side, is that he, you know, seduces her in this whole fantasy world and when she finds out it's not real, you know, things things go poorly.
1: Yeah, so the one um, she's uh on the cover and she's already in the black queen outfit. Okay. It's got the X-Men fighting um the Hellfire Club. So, yeah.
0: Well, so now we've had some uh, discussion on that and that was good. Let's uh I think we kind of touched on this already once, but a major strength of this and it's been a strength of a lot of the Netflix shows but I think was the cast. Um, did y'all have any particular standouts or favorites from the season? I didn't like Winona
1: Ryder at first. I just didn't, and I probably I'm she's my standout. I was gonna say I, I love say her. She, she became yeah. my standout, but at first, I guess yeah. I'd never really seen her in a, a super serious role. Yeah, except girl interrupted. Obviously, she was she did a great job in. um, But yeah, and I almost didn't. I guess I just haven't seen her in a while, Um, so maybe yeah, my my mind flashes back to Heather's and Beetlejuice and stuff like that. Um, So yeah, I guess she just didn't sell it to me at first. But then by the end of the the season, I was I was definitely on board. And again, I had to wrestle with can I even make this judgment of her acting because I don't I'm not a mother that. Has her kid sucked up into an alternate dimension? So, well, that's no what I like about <laughs> it. They knew it, empathized with this situation, really. They made uh, her kind of unbearable. Yeah, yeah. Was, and I think that was it. I think I think intentionally. Yeah, she just kind of annoyed me. Or, you know, or right, just, right.
2: I'll, but as you look more <laughs> in on it, it it really was more of a realistic portrayal of a mother yeah, whose yeah. kid yeah. got sucked well, into a I, boy. I
3: it's one thing to be unbearable. It's another thing to be unbearable and actually be right. Which... Right.
2: Well, that's the thing is, I, 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 from her performance and the subplot of her ex husband, I think Winona Ryder spent the 70s living sex, drugs, and rock and roll. There's a lot of alcohol and a lot of cocaine in her past. That's, yeah,
1: hell yeah, yeah.
2: and she has a re- prior reputation around town. And I think the cocaine and the alcohol did a little bit of, little bit of damage to her to where she's kind of a squirrely like annoying. Not annoying person, but she's quirky and like a little off. And they're like, yeah, you know. Well,
1: that that's where she eventually won me over because I realized that the lack of empathy she, I was she feeling had to for fight her, against
2: that, yeah. Right,
1: was the town's lack of empathy. For
2: well, they're that. going, She think, she's so finally breaking down. You know, she's right. finally lost it, and like uh, maybe she's on drugs again or something. Yeah, you know, I, I
1: kind of had to go back and think of what it was like. You know, it's like yeah, that's exactly how small towns operate. Doesn't matter what kind of. <laughs> Tragedy. This woman has. She'll still be judged on her. On but what I like is, or, you know,
2: that's all stuff doing, that we're right. picking up, you know, just from hints. None of that was. A lot of times, right. there's such, a, especially in something that's eight hours long. There's the temptation for the writers to explicit to have the husband. You know, they could have had a scene with the husband going like, "Hey, you want to do a little toot for old times' sake or yeah. something yeah. like that?" And, and you know, really just shoved it home, but they didn't. They. They left it nice and subtle, you know?
0: Well, I think, uh, they didn't really leave it, they didn't leave it linger too long to us whether, you know, to what really had happened to Will. You know, if they had really pushed it further into the season that we didn't know where he was, that we didn't know he was actually trapped, like we know as the audience pretty early on that she isn't crazy. She didn't just lose him or, you know, he get he didn't get kidnapped or something like that, that he, you know, he's something like supernaturally weird is going on here. Yeah. But even while no one else around her knew that, and I think that's something we, we also appreciated as we kind of went through the show was how all these disparate groups were picking up their own pieces of the puzzle as they went along. And it's not until they really start coming together and kind of sharing that they really are starting to see the, like the big picture
1: I really liked that too, that it wasn't just all the goonies all the time, you know, that these people yeah. had to, you know, you had these little subgroups that were discovering their own sets of
0: mysteries and everything. Well, and that, uh, that to me is leads to my next, I like to me, I guess probably my favorite person in the cast overall. And that might be, uh, Sheriff Hopper.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah uh, definitely.
0: He had a he great arc and story, and man, he he was really, he really he did crush it. I mean, that's a good way to put it. He did. The great. only
1: one I thought was overacting in this was Matthew Modine a little bit, but I guess that's, <laughs> that's Matthew Modine. Yeah, I, I liked just, him. He was
2: playing like David Cronenberg or something. Basically,
1: yeah,
2: like David Cronenberg and David Lynch mixed together.
1: But, yeah. yeah, Hopper was Hopper was uh, Chief Brody. I mean, obviously, this this show is in many ways jaws it was in many ways yeah, a, a he was, lot yeah other but this. he had
2: a little bit of he had a little bit of a john carpenter hero in him where <laughs> every man he, he would he had no problem punching people in the face <laughs> yeah. oh no yeah oh. Was, even uh, people with uniforms on he would just be he would be like oh that was,
1: that was pretty much his face. go-to move yeah. Oh, yeah yeah yeah
4: yeah i or like whipping that. his gun out like just
1: <laughs> like you know yeah yeah no, he was smart. Enough, I mean, but that's what I'm saying about Brody. He was from a, he was a big city cop who came to the little island to get away from all the weirdness. And the weirdness but that, found. That him. So, something yeah. Something else that gave it the '80s
2: feel without without really pummeling at home was right. like yeah. the cop that was just like, "Oh, I'll punch and shoot."
1: <laughs> well, Only you know, serious Jaws nerdgasm people like us would really think that through too much, um, <laughs> but. Yeah, I thought he he just crushed it. I mean, and it just felt so much. You know, he felt like a, a more benevolent Don Doni. You know, he was the small-town sheriff, uh, but he actually knew what was. And I, I think that's why he was so quick to go for his gun and everything, because he was also smart enough to realize when he was over a line of, there's no turning back at this point, I need to use all methods yeah. <laughs> at my disposal to get things yeah, done. Yeah, I
3: mean, once he finds the, the dummy of will... All bets were off like it right right, right. does the matter going punch a
2: guy in the face if he has to yeah yeah i liked
4: to me he felt like a like a john carpenter hero mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. one of the things i really liked about him he just kind of um that's that was the 80s feel i got out of his character overall it was just that kind of vibe of that could have been played by kurt russell back in the day
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's and it's he's not like in shape, but he's not fat. He, he's just like a slab. He's not, you know, mm-hmm. clearly yeah. once he got to the small town, he was putting away. He's the been in shape. And, but but it
2: was, since his daughter died, he drinks, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's it's
3: very Stephen
2: King. He's hard. a very he's another very Stephen King character, you know, troubled past. Oh. Like, Dead dead family members are a big Stephen King, you know. The only thing keeping
1: this from not being a Stephen King story is that there's no
0: author in it. (laughs) There's no prominent author. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, it's not set in Maine.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And it actually had a satisfying conclusion.
1: Oh, Oh, shoot. So far, the story ain't over. That's true. That's true.
4: <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and it's funny. I like I like I like that he's a slab because it's 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 annoying that like movies and TV shows nowadays every dude, no matter what character, you know what I mean, takes the shirt <laughs> off at some point and he you know you can tell he spends nine hours a day in the gym. Yeah, and the and, janitor. You've uh,
1: been yeah. working out. Yeah,
0: yeah Looking really <laughs> well, cut was, there, Bob. What, not Dave? You don't you don't look like uh, this yes, spend nine hours that's in the gym. <laughs> no.
1: If I spend nine hours in the gym, I look dead.
3: <laughs> I would be dead.
1: Uh, even like even like uh, Joyce's, uh, you know, ex there, uh, I there. What his name was off the top of my head, but um, you know, they could have gone even more kind of Hollywood pretty boy for him, but he was just he looked yeah. rough. He just looked, he was perfect. He was
0: Donnie, wasn't it Donnie, Donnie. or Lonnie, Lonnie, Lonnie. Lonnie. That's Lonnie. A, and, you know, he was freaking just, Lonnie, man. He was,
1: he wasn't, he was, he was a stereotype and he wasn't. And, and because more yeah. of him wasn't, he, you know, because you actually, until you found out he was kind of just after the insurance money, you started to kind of sympathize. With, oh, maybe this yeah. guy's coming around and yeah. standing up for his son.
2: Well, he's a, he's a, he was a, a very, he's a very standard sort of deadbeat dad. You know, he's charismatic, though, because he romanced mom at one time, you know. He's got that – he was probably, like, high school football player type guy, and and now he's just, he's down on his lot. Lonnie's probably still doing a little coke, so he's more into, like, getting some fast money, you know. But he's yep. still probably got a little bit of the hustle, and uh, and he's probably genuinely nice, you know, in some level. Yeah. He, he was, for what little time he was in there, he was a complex character, even yeah. though he ended up being generally a scumbag. He wasn't right. a, a mustache twirling
0: scumbag. Right. No. Yeah.
3: He was just a everyday scumbag.
0: The, the no, only- and, yeah. and, and I think that's smart writing as well, not to make him like an over the top villain, but, you know, it's more true to life, I think, that people have, people can be nice and also be jerks and screw up in that kind of way when i don't yeah. think it
1: was explicit they they didn't like make him a wife beater i don't think they really
3: no i don't think there was ever abuse hinted at I, that. They, they it they just, just he is just a, a a shit dad and a just shit boozer yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah which is another trope they that you would think they would go with so you know or, or a lot of people do you know in in situations like that writing well and that's i think
4: one of the strengths too with it being uh, an eight-episode season is they didn't have to really. We spent just enough time with Lonnie, you know. Mm-hmm. He served his purpose and he moved we, on. Whereas, we could like
2: see, the... we could see redemption for Lonnie too. I could see Lonnie coming back. At oh, right. Some
4: point or, or paying right. playing a part in in this. But we didn't have to have the Lonnie episode because we weren't trying to fill out twenty-four right. episodes on network television. Yeah. Right. You know I mean? Yeah. And that I guess that's. That's the thing, like you start talking about the cast and, and I think I've noticed with my sh- shows that end up being like my favorite all time shows, it's usually because everybody in the cast, uh, just works and, and yeah. the show is interesting no matter what character you're focusing on. And that's one of the things I really appreciated about Stranger Things was that everybody was interesting. And so I, I didn't, I wasn't antsy to get back to the, to the character we were just in the last scene. You know, where I I find myself doing that with other shows, where I'm like, oh crap, I hate this character. You know, just suffering through. (laughs) You know what I mean? Suffering through the game. Yeah, exactly. Suffering through like the you know the second commercial break, waiting for them to get back to the B plot or the A plot or
0: whatever. So,
1: let's talk about the kids in this because I mean, they were also not exactly. I didn't think kind of what you would expect your standard Hollywood casting to get for a bunch of kids. Not these days. No, no yeah. for yeah. sure. Um so that was refreshing. They all felt like real kids, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> Goofy like looking. That. Yeah, and that that's key. That was uh you know, these are my friends growing up. Um yeah. minus the the, the black the... one, which we didn't have in our town so to, to like high school. <laughs> Not till high school. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> well yeah, these were, you know, I, I could almost assign a name of one of my childhood friends but to eat, he was... but myself included. He reminded
2: hmm. of me, he their interaction reminded me of like if 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 Pat had moved into you know into into our town like in middle school
1: or you, yeah. you know on, on the yeah we would it would have been yeah, he
2: would have been, sim- been very similar
1: Yeah, yeah cuz that's what we did with Pat anyway. He's like well you're you the
0: outcast here now so you might as well join us other outcasts you
2: might as well <laughs> come hang out with us yeah exactly <laughs>
0: You're the well I kinda crop. in my mind I kind of think of you know eleven on her own in terms of the characters of the cast. You know, Mike, Dustin, Lucas, and Will, the fellowship, and then yeah. uh Nancy and Jonathan. And I guess I didn't put Steve in here. I probably should have put Steve in here too. Oh yeah, oh, about yeah, um, yeah, Steve.
3: <laughs> oh Steve. Steve, who stats out as a typical eighties D bag and is completely changed by the end of it. Steps up with a bat at the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. No, Even that was, before that, was, that, when he's taking the graffiti off the marquee, it's like he can, yeah. at that point you kind of tell, like, all right, he's he's trying to be the big man on campus, but he's it's part of that's a facade because he, he ends up pushing away from the the friends that he's with and actually
2: well,
0: and stand, does the right and, thing. And at that age, standing up to your friends is very hard, so it actually showed he had some character. I mean, it actually showed he had some...
2: Well, the at that age, the only thing that's going to get you to stand up to your friends like that is... As a lady,
0: <laughs> probably yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, and that was Except even that... after
3: he got his ass beat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I i read a lot of you know reactions to this show when it first ended, and you know people were pissed that she didn't, Nancy didn't end up with Jonathan, who was her her true white knight. You know they went the whole—I you know, call this the John Hughes nod—and they went with the pretty and pink ending, and she ends up with the popular guy anyway. That's
0: how, um, yeah.
2: That's how John Hughes always ends up.
1: Yeah. So I mean, to... uh, potential or not. Well,
0: it did I... also end though with, and I guess it was Steve's idea, but they gave him the camera. There was, she gave him the camera for Christmas at the very end. To me, yeah, yeah. their story's probably not quite finished. Oh
1: no, it, but... yeah. Oh no, no, I'm. So... I, I'm my, I'll give you my predictions near the end of the show on yeah. that one, but...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh I would say. The kid that played Mike, I also thought, you know, he could be a little kid actor. A few times when he would have to have a lot of dialogue, you know, I feel like he would really be like, you know, uh, having to say like, "We got to do this," and then we got to do this, and then we got to do this. Uh-huh. But I, I do think the the kids were all really good. I think, you know, Dustin, the character Dustin of uh, Gaten Matizarro, uh I think, you know, he was really funny and uh, he kind of stole the show a yeah. lot of times um but uh that i guess would leave us with 11 Millie Bobby Brown oh, and God. and she was great
1: talk about just like having to act for essentially most of the f- the season with just your eyes and your face uh, this this girl nailed it completely i mean any emotion that you were expecting her to have man it was just right there and i think her not having any hair actually you know, <laughs> enhanced.
3: Yeah, I, I that it fa- was just
1: naturally it was all of her eyes and in her, her facial expressions.
3: Yeah, they. I think it I mentioned it in one of the really episodes. They basically made her Akira. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with the haircut, yeah, the powers. Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: she hasn't blown up a town yeah. yet, but I she
0: could if <laughs> she wanted to. Do, yes, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's she's... something I. I think you might have referenced Akira, and then I even listened to y'all's. Uh, Anime Freaks episode about it here recently That's something I've never watched But uh, man that, it seems that, like uh, Just hearing that, y'all describe Just hearing y'all describe it on the episode That's like, what man, a actually, lot of the
1: reviews missed too I think uh, I Yeah think like
0: I feel like they're definitely At least just in your description On that episode of You know the overall story of the The telepaths or whatever they're called Or the espers or whatever what On yeah. on Akira that uh, Yeah it's definitely playing into this yeah. well, Of course was, that yeah. And that's funny. Some of the you can tell some of the cultural and pop culture references that are timely to the story, as in that the kids themselves would have been into versus stuff that's even come after when this would have been, you know, and this was supposed to be 1983 stuff that came later in the 80s, yeah. but like have influenced it kind of. Yeah, retroactively, you know what I mean? Like the, just definitely. the aliens. Yeah. yeah, that's a big one. I would say is aliens for sure came out several years later than this, but I think definitely had a was uh, was,
2: was Firestarter out by this point.
0: Yes. Yeah, eighty one. I think the book uh, definitely was. Firestarter. Yeah, the book is yeah. one of his first books. I mean, I think it's like yeah. maybe six I or seven like, book. Yeah, and Altered
1: States was one I thought a lot of the reviews missed. Oh, and yeah. That was that was a little more obscure, I guess, for eighties yeah. movies. Yeah, i one of my favorites.
3: That's a weird. Well, it was slick, all man. about a
1: you know sensory deprivation tank, basically changing you. So, yeah.
0: body horror. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and and drugs. And drugs, Lots of drugs. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So I I know we kind of I wouldn't say it was the focus for our show, but we did spend a lot of time talking about all the different references and allusions to either you know real. Kind of paranormal history with like MK Ultra and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. or also pop culture references. So does anyone have a kind of a, I guess, season one favorite reference or favorite nod to the '80s or something
3: that the, the professor watching the thing with his with his side piece? <laughs> yeah, yeah, little...
1: <laughs> yeah. Playing the special effects like a yeah. good nerd would do with his girlfriend, and probably not get any that night. Yeah. You know? Um, <laughs> there were oh no, so he many. definitely
3: um, got some that After oh, you yeah, take the phone was... call from your students on a Saturday night to answer a science question for them, oh, yeah, that in, puts you yeah. square
1: in the oh you're a nice guy camp. Yeah, oh, let's yeah, do you're, it. You're in. Uh, especially in the mid, you know early '80s. Yeah, <laughs> just so many. I mean, you just the list is as long as our arms. I mean. And, <laughs> And that that can be a problem too. Going forward, it, it kind of just becomes a, a greatest hits album at, at one point. Um But as I said, it all feels pretty organic. Yeah,
2: if they keep the writing good, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I mean, it was obviously with Firestarter through and through. I mean, it had a lot of it in it. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie definitely. Goonies, E. T. Obviously, there was you know even some Halloween aspects um the thing i i couldn't believe actually the people that were well it was actually a younger crowd that didn't quite get the the thing references they're like well that looks like and they were referencing like you know i I think someone actually referenced farscape monster or something and i'm like no Ah. go go back further than
3: that look at that mouth (laughs) that's the the creature coming out of the the dog at the beginning (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's just so spot on without being a complete replication. Um Akira, obviously, that was, you know, jumped out at me. Just she brutally
0: killed people in this with her powers. You know, it's totally... Well, and, and I think, the, like we were talking about earlier, I think that lends into the idea that there might be more to her relationship with the, the Demogorgon than we realize just because she did... uh Give them no quarter. Let's just say that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's what she was definitely being groomed, you know, by the MK Ultra guys for. Um, you know, she was Charlie McGee. She was not. They were going to use her as just a remote viewer. You know, once they realized she could move shit, you yeah. know, with her mind and things. Um yeah. You know. Well, yeah. Well,
4: because you know when she when she snapped and killed those killed those guys. And then yeah. Immediately after, <laughs> they were like, "Okay, we want you to try to kill it." Guy yeah, you
1: really notice she didn't yeah. get discarded like one through ten. You know, they're like, "Oh right, we're going to yeah. develop this one a little longer." <laughs> I think if I had to name one, I think my
4: probably my favorite all, all over reference is probably just the whole uh ET on the bike scene. You
0: know?
3: Yeah, yeah, like,
0: when, but when, they played when... with it in the best yeah, way they,
1: possible. They threw it up to eleven. Yeah,
2: eleven.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So,
4: uh, yeah, no, I love I love that, and I kind of had that exact same moment. And but instead of making them fly, she made the van fly. And, right,
0: uh, kind of subverted a little bit. Yeah, I really dug that. That was cool. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I liked. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a Lord of the Lord of the Rings dork, and uh, mm-hmm. and there's quite a few Lord of the Rings references in here that were were pretty great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love them correcting. You know.
1: Merkwood from Lord of the Rings, it's from The Hobbit, you know. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> that's what friends would See, do. You know, and that's yeah. true. I, I do think the do.
0: interactions between the kids and, you know, that you kind of strike gold with this, I guess, and that the kids really must have all hit it off on the set and all their social media stuff makes it look like they're just absolutely having like the time of their lives. And so that, that kind of genuine, uh, rapport that young boys can have like that I think really came through in the show too. At least among the 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 young guys. Yeah. Yeah totally. And that's something uh we talked about briefly as well, but um did I see that the score for this show has been nominated for a Grammy, is that right? Ooh, Anyone else see nice. that? I,
2: I didn't I, that. I didn't see that. That's interesting.
0: Let me, let me see if that's it was that Yes that
3: uh, it was on December tenth, twenty sixteen. It was announced that both of the volumes were nominated individually for the Best Score Soundtrack category for the twenty seventeen Grammys.
2: There you go. It's interesting because some of the score is even like old, like it's old, Tangerine Dream and stuff like that.
3: I'm sure it's for the just the original music that was composed. Right, right.
1: Yeah, you know, I,
4: it, it's so good. Like I was listening to it. Um, Yesterday, well, I was—I well, was, I was trying to—I was at work and I was just playing it on my iPad, playing the show to try to do a rewatch, and so I, I couldn't actually really watch it so much, but just listen to it, and it's—it makes me sick how good it is. Like,
1: <laughs> I found and, it almost a little unnerving, or just dis- like almost getting yeah. out of it the first time I—I I watched it, and then I realized how probably intentional it was. Um, I mean, obviously, I love the. The carpenter esque yeah. synth and all that, and uh, yeah. but it just seemed like occasionally they they throw some of the the really synthy stuff in almost yeah. randomly. It almost didn't fit in the scene it was in, and then I just kind of realized it's like that. This is kind of like an intentional B movie move, you know, mm-hmm. or at least that's the way I would have done it because it almost felt a little cobbled together without rhyme or reason, but. That in itself, I think, was the rhyme and reason to it, because that's how the old eighty movies were. They were just like some of the some of the score was just yeah. really almost annoying or very overt. In your and, face. Yeah. Yep. And you know, even well, in the quiet moments, you'd have the ding 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 ding. ding you know, and it's like yeah. okay. Well, this
2: is it's like it's like a it's like Italian horror and jello movies yeah. soundtracks <laughs> through the lens of John Carpenter. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's funny too because it's like
4: uh, the last couple of years, every time I, I I'll read about a, a video game or a movie, then they talk about oh, it's got kind of an 80s synth score, and I'll go and listen to it, and I'll be like, yeah, it's got synth in it, but it doesn't sound very yeah. 80s, you know what I mean? And and it's funny how like this one, I, it just it. It, it's got that 80s sound. Like, I mean, it really does sound like, you know, they went and well, found some because, old John Carpenter stuff and threw it in there, you know? Because
2: most of the time they don't think of John Carpenter. They think of like Oingo Boingo or something, you know? Oh,
4: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not trying for like the Blade Runner Vangelis sound or the, right. uh, yeah. Well, and, and and I think the other thing too, because I was listening more than watching it the other day, I noticed that it, that it had that, 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 80s theme style where you could hear, you know, you could you could tell by the music you were hearing what was going on on the screen, you know. And and so it had that the music was complementing it wasn't just 80s synth stuck in there so it would sound like 80s synth, you know. Let's put some Herbie Hancock in so they know it's 1984.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't yeah. that. Here's some stuff. Madonna. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, like one of my favorite Pieces of music from this was the uh, Peter Gabriel version of Heroes at the end of the, oh, the one no. where we think Will is that dead at the end of it, and yeah. at that point we even as the audience we think he might be dead. Yeah. Um, but that was just uh, yeah, the, but a really yeah. interesting choice. You could have just gone with the Bowie version.
3: Yeah, it's not know. as haunting.
1: Right. <laughs> so. That, that, well, it was that, a good balance.
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean the way that they the the editing during that portion, that two or three minutes where the song's playing, where everybody's trying to get to the quarry is like...
1: Yeah, some sort of the best in the show. Yeah.
3: It's it's great.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I've noticed, too. Like, uh, um, I don't know about you guys, but I've, I've noticed that the, the entertainment that I've can watch rewatch the most or I like the most. Typically, it almost invariably has really really good music along with it. <laughs> so, thanks for spoiling me, John Williams. But um,
3: <laughs> yeah, well,
2: <laughs> a bad soundtrack can really just completely ruin something.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I love this. I, I bought it on uh, digital, and I'm, I'm I've already ordered the. The vinyl, because I'm Ooh. I'm that guy. So. All
3: right, all right. Yeah. yeah, so I helped with that.
4: <laughs> I helped yes, uh, you did.
2: Oh. that. Enable that.
4: <laughs> good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah, and, and I like that. I like that, and it's one of those scores that I, I can attest to. Like when you listen to it by itself, it you, you know you can picture. You can picture the, the show in your mind,
3: you know. So it's got that good. Yeah, um, I mean, like you were talking, yeah. Just it, and even now, some of the songs- some of the 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 pop culture songs too are going to be <laughs> indelibly linked with this show. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Can I stay? Or can I go? Like that's going to always yeah. be Will and, and um, song. Jonathan song. Yeah. Boy.
1: People are learning the uh, the lesson of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: <laughs> it's not a bad marketing lesson to learn at all. Yeah. yeah, you're right about that. My my kids requested the Awesome Mix Volume One from Guardians of the Galaxy for weeks and weeks and weeks oh, and nice. yeah.
3: <laughs> Never too young to get yeah. the kids listening to Redbone. Yeah. And it's great because now you know. there's going to be a bunch of people yeah. going out and buying Sweet's greatest hits because they've been playing mm-hmm. Fox on yeah. the yep. Run and the new one. I'm like, yeah. yes, finally. And I'm glad they picked Fox on the Run. It's, it, it's
2: usually with Sweet, you're getting you're getting little bit of blitz. Or, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, Paul, yeah. Although Love
2: I would have, like, I would have got, I would have been happy. I would have been just as happy with Love is like oxygen. Yes. Too. Oh my god. You my sp- band used to do that song. Really. Oh, yeah, it made me so happy. <laughs> I, oh, man, I love them so much. They have the best, wow, 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 wow. Wow, wow, wow. best uh, kind of bubblegum
3: pop that you can possibly have. Oh, so good.
1: I'm glad The Clash is as quote-unquote bubblegum as they went in this, though. It was, it was a nice mix, definitely. And that, that was obviously the stamp about song that everyone's going to recognize the most. But, uh, yeah, I had a lot
3: I had a lot of fun putting the the musical tags in for the show. They should
2: they should just hi- for season 2. They should just hire John Carpenter to do the soundtrack. He's I
1: know. The, that'd be he's cool. so
2: active with his band right yeah. now. He's done <laughs> yeah. two albums of hell. They could take mu- they could just license the music off his lost soundtrack you know right. it's yeah the lost last themes. two albums lost yeah. themes yeah lost yeah. themes albums and uh and probably use them quite you know or even remix them up a little bit stuff they they should definitely do that because i think john carpenter would love it you know uh, i think yeah. he's done with filmmaking for a while and if somebody gives him like money to make music, that just enables him to
1: smoke more pot and play more video yeah. games. <laughs> okay. All right, and I think we're due for a tough-talking uh, truck driver character in the next season, and possibly some uh, Chinese
0: <laughs> mysticism. Nice. I'm up for it. Well, Speaking of next yeah. season, uh, while y'all were talking there, I, I muted myself, and then I tried to come back in on something and realized I was muted. But um, <laughs> I really quickly played the teaser trailer on my phone so I could jot down what i think we all suppose are the episode titles
3: they have been confirmed as the episode
0: titles Ch- chapter names yeah yeah okay there you go right. so one mad and i guess this would be we assume these are in the right order yeah. but mad max the boy who came back to life the pumpkin patch the palace the storm the poliwog the secret cabin the brain and the lost brother so uh, do you have any,
3: uh, I have no you have any idea. jump out?
0: Wow. Well, I'm, well, you know, I'm all for the Mad Max episode. But
1: <laughs> yeah, but if you that. actually,
3: now I spoiled ahead and was looking at the cast list, and Max is going to be a 14-year-old girl. Okay. So well, hey. I, it's just the fact that they're using that as the title notes. Hey, all right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: But we have stuff there, – Well, now they're definitely... trolling us. Now they know what they've done to us, and yeah. they're just going right.
2: to Well, us. there's definitely seems to be – it seems to be like it's going to continue with the whole upside down um
3: theme – because the polywog
2: crap. could be referencing some of those, some of the hybrid y things. Didn't he have a pretty much a polywog came out of his mouth at the end? Yeah, dinner, something uh, came out yeah. of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. something pretty, something very eraser head sort me. of thing. And uh, the secret cabin is obviously an element from last season. And uh, so it's it's definitely seems like it's going to expel, like there isn't going to be something new going on. You know, it's going. There's going to be something new going on, but it's going to be probably... Directly tied into
3: what had happened, but yeah. And didn't they say Modine Modine is back? I don't know. Um, I know Paul Reiser and Sean Astin are going to be part of the cast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you see, my biggest fear for season two is, was this lightning in a bottle? And (laughs) will it just become,
0: you know, the greatest hits of the 80s? Sure. Well, that's that's a, certainly a risk. I think. I mean, there's definitely a risk of that. Um, it
2: depends on what direction. If they keep like the writers and the people who made it, they'll probably have an interest in keeping it fresh for themselves. But if it turns into one of those things where it's like, okay, it's on season six, and we got a bunch of, you know, we get just hire a bunch of directors and writers, and we'll just executive produce it, then it could sort of where The Walking Dead went. I think yeah. it's been going.
1: Well, I love that we got, like, Winona Ryder in the first one, and, you know, she's, she sparks our memories, but I, I worry about it becoming, like, the cameo show, too. Like, we've got a Goonie and Paul Reiser from Aliens. But Paul, Paul Reiser season. is is he's in that actor. Matthew
3: Modine level now, where he's, yeah, right. he's
1: of the 80s, but he's
3: so old now, he barely even looks like, right. he I doesn't even look like he did on Mad About, like, he's he's yeah. at a different level now.
1: Right. I just think it can be overdone. It was good with like a couple actors a season. I'm okay with that. I just I just don't want it to be like, and here's David Hasselhoff, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, but if you
2: put, if you cast David Hassel, you know. David Hasselhoff is one of those guys that you could probably get a good performance out of him. And sure, like, yeah. make him like Tarantino the town drunk crap. or
1: something that sees air. Right, put him something
2: yeah. way off of what you would expect. Half, half so where people go with well, that yeah. was David Hasselhoff. Right, it yeah. could be it could be fun. I hope what they do is they go out and more like I, it was originally the show was going to be called Montauk, and that's Ooh. one of my favorite conspiracy yeah. theory. Ooh, yeah. Thing. Wow, I didn't so, know that. So, so when I, when I was watching this, I, you know, immediately I'm a big fan of MK Ultra and yeah. Montauk and stuff like that. So I started picking up the the conspiracy theory elements of this show like right away, and and the, and then I found out they originally were calling it Montauk, which adds a whole new dimension to L. Because Montauk, yeah. the whole story was they had a chair there that they could hook people up who were specially talented. And they could, for example, make a, a, a pallet full of gold bars appear, you know, by visualizing it. And then they had machinery in the chair that would do it. And, and But supposedly one of the people that they put in the chair went rogue and <laughs> and, and created a giant... Uh, like a fifteen foot tall Bigfoot monster type thing that was pissed <laughs> <laughs> tore up tore up the whole lab and they and they and that was when the experiment was officially canceled. So Do you think?
1: <laughs> <laughs> they probably did the nuclear option on it. <laughs> yeah, so the only there's, way to the, be sure. Yeah.
2: Well, you know they when they when they turned off the chair, the creature the, the disappeared type of thing. It was very much like the creature from the Id. From yeah. Forbidden planet type of thing So if they Go in that If they start calling from that direction Then there was a whole other Sub-conspiracy plot that was even Wilder of this other group of people Who were doing the same experiments as Montauk except they were More on the Like Montauk was being run by um, Ex-Nazis And had a lot to do with, With child torture especially young mm. boys like sexual molestation and stuff where because they needed that energy to fuel their their experiments but then there was another group of more like they were like hippie dippy um quantum physicists who figured out that like they could do the same things but even better by making love, oh yeah, you know, they, they, they no. created they created the thing called the egg, where two people would get in it and and uh, do it, get funky, and they could actually take this pilot this egg to other dimensions, and that they had actually found another, you know, whether it was Earth or whatever on another dimension, but one that would just had the ruins of an ancient civilization and no people on it, and they were like screw it we're living here so they all buggered off to there at the same time the montauk people were and montauk was all tied into like the philadelphia experiment and time travel and and all that stuff so they have a lot (laughs) of possibilities yeah and you know and and really and i don't know if if we'll get to the sex
1: planet but and if these guy's (laughs) right right until the kids grow up a bit right Unless we really well, want, well,
2: I don't know. Remember the it it? archive? Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> saying There's the it, it. thing. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, that's that's if they go in the conspiracy, some of the some of the darker. But they have a, there's, and you know, I mean Matthew Modine's whole, that whole government agency is sh- sort of like Stephen King's like The Shop or something like that, you know. So now that they're involved, you could have all sorts of fun stuff happening.
1: Yeah. Uh, hopefully, they're gonna address the why no one's freaked out that Will's back from the fucking ground thing.
3: Well, one of the episode titles is "The Boy Who Lived." Yeah, the you know, so boy okay back to life. A so, flashback yeah. thing. Um, I, it's gonna have that. to be addressed. Yeah, and it, so, I mean, somehow,
2: yeah, you could get away yeah. with one of those something like that in the pre-internet days. I mean, he would always that, be yeah. the weirdo sure in
1: town, but people—he was yeah. already the weirdo yeah, but in town. The whole town well, and that was for his <laughs> burial, though. Yeah, right, well, right. But there would be
2: people be that, uh, they'd be like, "I was there, and I swear to it." In. Well, you know, blah blah blah. You know, you can't always believe what you you know. I mean, you could. To- I mean, uh, uh, the the fact of the matter is, he's alive. <laughs> yeah. So when the bottom line comes, he he didn't he didn't die. Well, there would have there to be he, some sort of
0: massive cover up or. Well, I mean just look at the destruction at the high school from the, right. the kind of final battle. There were, it, it's implicit, I think, that there was some sort of Something's cover up. Weird,
2: but life goes on and in little towns and stuff like that and it becomes yeah. part of the lore of the, the the town, you know.
0: Well, and it could even be a situation where it's like, you know, uh when people see what was really going on and get enough of the Story that they're like, well, we're not going to ask too many questions because we want, we're just glad he's back and we want him to be right. safe because he's he, one of ours or something like that.
2: He becomes and the, and then be like in our town there was Donnie Doerr. and he was in he was like now obviously he was probably autistic right yeah. on some level on some somewhere in the spectrum, but and you know he had uh, like really obsessive compulsive actions and he was like. Border, borderline, no, nope, like people picked on him a little bit, but he would like kind of weirded people out. So he didn't really get picked on as much as like a lot of other kids you would think would have. Right. And, and he would like run down the hall with his books classroom and he had to step on all the little gold discs that were on the f- floor. And if someone was standing on him, he'd wait patiently off to the side. And then when they moved off, he would whip in there and just like ding, hit it with his foot and, and run down. In the hallway and like all through school you know you'd hear people everybody had different theories about what Like, i heard one story that he opened up the door to his car and fell out the car door and was hanging by the his safety belt and his head was dragging and i heard that his parents just used to leave him alone in the house with the tv running all the time and you know that that sort of thing That's just what they'll talk. The the thing about him is he came back, but he's not like a pod person or something. So people in the town are going to be like, well, (laughs) you know.
1: Uh, I know you guys probably covered it on your last episode of the regular show, which I haven't gotten to listen to yet. But I want to hear everyone's theory on what Hopper's deal with the uh, the lab is. Um, Uh,
3: It's got to be part of the cover up, I would think.
1: I, mean, I, I think it's it's got to be more than just he's everybody promises to say quiet, because that, that's kind of the one thing I, I almost didn't believe he's about. Go, well, him.
3: he's going to have to be in their back pocket. If they need somebody to disappear or something to get covered right. up, he's the, <laughs> the, the sheriff.
1: Right, right. So he's going to so, be able to do that. It's Hopper uh a secret hitman now, I wonder, or something. <laughs> Well, he, and that was he probably even, isn't,
2: but he—they uh, may try to maneuver him into being something like that, you know. Well, and that future. was
0: something even in the end when he's making a deal, you know, to trade eleven for Will, basically. You know, I—I I know we kind of discussed that. Well, that was a suicide mission for him, anyways. They made the deal because he, they knew he wasn't gonna be able to get back out with Will and all that and the other. But I mean, he had every intention of going in there and coming back. And whether or not he just trusted 11 and them to, you know, be able to take care of themselves or if he was really being, you know, like very mercenary in terms of, you know, trading him for her. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's, I think that's a part of his character, I guess is what I'm trying to get at that. He, he does have, uh, I don't want to say a mean streak, but maybe just a very like extremely pragmatic streak. Right. Yes.
3: He is pragmatic, but I don't think he would do anything that would harm a child. Especially yeah. once you get his flashbacks, no. yeah, that's that. Yeah. I don't think that's yeah. in his character, especially with her. You know, he had a daughter. He might
2: get himself in the position up to where he might have to harm a child, or, or something. if he has
1: to harm one to save another, that he, you know, right. Has but connection but when it
2: comes to that moment, that's when he's going to have one of those <laughs> character moments of like, "What am I doing?" You know.
3: Yeah,
2: but I can see him getting up to where he thinks he might be able to do it. Or something, but yeah. Well, I'm sure that'll be a, probably a big theme in season
4: two is the redemption of of Hopper, you know, at least for within his own mind, you know, trying to redeem himself. So,
1: I heard some rumors floating that people thought maybe the the lab had done something to his child too. No, um, I think that poor girl just. I don't. Got I don't think it really leads to that at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't really think it leads to that at all.
3: I, that would take away from it. Sometimes yeah. something in your life affects you because of your previous experience. It doesn't need to be tied into the
1: overarching. Right. Yeah, I'm hoping they avoid that. Yeah. It's yeah. That, that would just look kind of like a fan rumor. No, fan I'm
2: wondering rumor. when they did this season if they were planning on it being one and done or if they had plans.
1: I, I'm with, sure you got to go into it thinking that. Um, but you still always leave. You, you leave know, the seeds. I'm, I'm sort of
2: hoping that they did have plans for a second season. That might that may means I, that when they did the first season, they plant right. They planted seeds for. I the think
3: I think they it's had happening. a hope. So that's why you would pepper those things in.
1: Yeah. Netflix really ambitious with all their shows they're putting out, and there's a shit ton of them. I mean they they always lock them in pretty early for. You know, at least they, they call the ball, like as soon as they start getting numbers in, you know yeah. what I mean? As soon as like, their <laughs> Luke Case broke the internet, they're like, season two, yep. Yeah.
4: Um, well, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, this, this first season, obviously it, it kept its references and its world pretty closely tied to those early eighties. And, um, I was poking around on the internet just to see if they've there's any talk of where they're, they they're going to go in the next one and the Duffer brothers have, have said like you know cuz i guess i guess season 2 is going to be set in 1984 yeah so yeah. just you know, yeah, one year later one year yeah. later and they and yeah and he said that like they're like that they're actually going to try to bring in you know the stuff from that year into it in terms of the the look and feel like they did with the first season and and he actually explicitly said uh, quote something like Temple of Doom. I actually really love Temple of Doom. <laughs> okay. So you know, there you go. So so still beating
1: hearts ripped from.
2: I check. was just ah, <laughs> Monkey brains, ah, <laughs> yes.
3: Chilled monkey brains. <laughs> so that'll be interesting to
4: see. You know, because I mean, and it's and it's funny because we we watched uh we just actually watched Temple of Doom on New Year's. Um, well, Temple and, of you Doom
2: know, is about u- utilizing children to reach into another world. Right.
4: <laughs> you know, well, and it
2: was interesting because my, my wife is kind of
4: leery because she's like, oh, that one scares me. And I'm like, you know, it's not as scary as you think. And sure enough, when we watched it,
3: there's a lot of
4: humor in that movie. Yeah, there it is. It's black humor. humor. But there's but, a
2: lot of humor because they knew they were going dark. And, and right, right.
3: Spielberg was going through a divorce at the time, which is <laughs> part of the reason why it's so yeah. dark. Yeah.
4: Yeah, so it's an interesting blend. So I don't know. I'm excited because you know if you go to '84, we're talking Ghostbusters, we're talking Aliens, we're talking Temple of Doom, Gremlins, like yeah, Gremlins.
1: Yeah,
0: okay. yeah, I could see a heavy yeah. Gremlins
1: theme in this coming up, um, yeah. with little polywogs running around everywhere. Who knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'll be
4: okay. Like you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, kind of worried about it a little bit, but I think I'll be okay with it. You know, that period of time, too, was, you know, we were all kind of into that 80s stuff. That's when kind of the big, trendy things were happening. And, you know, those movies were, were. there were those watershed, water cooler moments for us back then, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because we didn't have as much crap to watch. We didn't have Netflix and YouTube and podcasts and video games and all that other stuff, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. I, I, I can't wait. I'm really, really excited. I. I it's funny because I literally, um every year I watch less and less television. You know what oh. I mean? Less, get into less and less shows. And I'm, every yeah. time I tick one off, I'm like, yeah, one less show I have to worry about. That one's, you know. And and this has got me sucked right back in. It's so,
2: pulling so. me back in. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Totally. I hope a, they keep we're, it. we're in another golden age of TV right now, so it's. I like, know. But I the know. but the way it's also the way it's um, we consume it now, makes it. Like I don't even own a TV anymore. Yeah. I, I literally don't own a TV. I I haven't watched like a TV feed with commercials in so long, other than like when I walk by downstairs and my roommates watching it, or somebody's got a TV on in a bar or where I'm eating or something. You know it's, and so it you know I mean the next the next season of, of this show is going to come out, and uh, I could watch it on my day off. You know what I mean? Yeah, pretty could, much. If I have to, I don't have to. I don't have to make sure that I'm around every Tuesday at eight o'clock to yeah. to catch it, and then if I miss it, to make sure to check the TV guide to find out when the rerun of it is going to be, yep. and. So you can have a bunch of TV shows that you follow and fit them into your schedule and it sounds awful but like kind of get them out of the way when you when you know you can find yourself like "Oh like yeah there's nothing to watch right now there's always yeah. something to watch if you want to watch something but you know you, you you be be like okay I just I just got a whole season of whatever out right right
4: now i know and it's funny i I, I don't know what you guys think like i'm kind of torn because i think the last show that i really got into like that was was lost like you know what i mean and there was kind of a fun to like you know going to work the next day and talking about what happened in the last episode and what do you think is going to happen in the next episode and and that kind of anticipation and and build up was kind of fun but i also love just being able to
1: Binge watched the whole season. And I did happened. this one in the eight hours straight. I mean, yeah, nine it hasn't paid for bathroom breaks and a couple of meals. Right. Right. In,
2: right. Like I have it. I have like when I'm at work, people will be like, you, well, you got, you got like stuff still like game of thrones where it's right. week by week and everybody's like, Hey, did you see game of thrones this week? But. There's still a lot of like, hey, did you, how far are you in Daredevil? I'm up to episode right, six. Right, oh, is that but, the one where this happened? Yeah, okay. And then you know when, when to talk up to, you know, and stuff like yeah. that. So it's, it's not stopping, you know, that interaction right, right. of people with it. It's just changing
1: the way it is, which yeah. is just the nature of media changing, you know. Well, I need to discipline myself because I, I, I did enjoy it better the second time around where I, like, I would, watched an episode every night with dinner basically you know it's so crazy. instead of eight hours straight it was eight days straight i guess <laughs> but oh yeah it's, well, we it's gonna could, get
2: we... it's gonna get eight episodes of two true freaks podcast produced when it comes out when the exactly. season two comes out Absolutely. that's for
3: sure nine episodes yeah.
2: oh
0: yeah um uh, I was about to say I think it's nine. Oh, it's kinda, oh. yeah. but I just
1: But I do find when I binge watch too much at once, like all the the details start to kind of run together a little sure bit. Do. <laughs> they do. Harder to really catch things. Uh, well, that's no, yeah. Of,
2: I like I like to space it out. But then you know I like also having the option of like I, I I do this with I like Daredevil is like my like okay I'm gonna watch an episode of Daredevil with dinner every day. Yeah, but sometimes if I got the night free and like the end of the yeah. episode was especially cliffhangery, yeah. you know, like I like having the option of going like, hey, I'll just go ahead and watch the next episode. Yeah, then or I, then I, I find myself four in the
1: morning and nodding out through half of it. Right, though.
2: right.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny
4: because it's like I love I love movies. Like movies are my thing, and it's funny. Like I always have the same feeling when i get done with a really good movie i'm like i want to watch another movie you know like and so at least with a show like this you know it's great when you're there and you're like only on episode two and you're like yeah i can just go right in and watch another one
1: Oh, I was getting bummed again when I was at like episode six in this and I'm like, oh, it's almost <laughs> over again. I can watch any and how, time. How I'm spoiled
2: on. is that you've watched like at that point you've watched three movies. If it was like <laughs> yeah, if it was yeah. like Hollywood, you would have yeah. waited six years to yeah. see all those movies to oh, come was, out, you know.
1: I just right. like living in that world so much. I don't yeah. you know, if I can start it over again, I don't want it to, to end. Well it's it's great. <laughs> I mean that's that's the thing. Like, that's
4: the great part about this this golden age we're living in is that you know, everybody's finally embraced the idea of this long form storytelling, whether it's in your seasonal shows or whether it's just like, okay, we're gonna start making a cinematic movie universe and we're just gonna keep going until they tell us to stop. You right. know? And and it's great. You can kinda get that, you know, that story that keeps going and there's more and more of it and uh I don't know, I love it.
3: I love speaking it. of speaking of cinematic universes, uh, the girl who plays Barb is wants to play Squirrel Girl, if Marvel ever gets around to it. She's, oh, that's
1: right. We haven't even talked about poor Barb. And justice girl, for Barb, girl.
3: hashtag, the hashtag for season two. And
1: Chris probably knows this girl because I think he Herger? One. No, uh, Margaret Ferguson. Margaret Ferguson and Ann
2: Herger both look like... <laughs> Ann Her- yeah. Herger had the set. Same- same, like red hair and glasses and the, the that that school. Well, they both dressed in yeah, that Margaret school totally Margaret
1: Yeah, she was my ninth grade girlfriend, man. So that was just like, <laughs> I've dated this girl. <laughs> but they were
2: both they were both they were both redheads, red frecklies.
1: Margaret had nicer boobs, as far as I could tell from what Margaret.
2: And Herger life. had had nice, but they were both they were both built the the, the so same they way. The
1: time, they were probably the first. The and
2: the, and those were the clothes for <laughs> girls that size were looked like Little House on the Prairie school right. outfits. Yeah. Yeah, so That's that was, a funny yeah. thing about the '80s. It was so, uh, like, for being like, also the decade a lot of people like associated with like Coke and like, you know, kind of sexual depravity and stuff. Like, high school girl fashions were very like Puritan like. Yeah. Lots of stuff that buttoned oh, right yeah. up to the right up the neck, you know, and uh, it was it was it, very strange. Yeah,
0: yeah I got so a, it. It's so much
1: more fun when you can get them out of it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Well, um, <laughs> is there anything else y'all are thinking about for season two? I mean, oh. it's kind of hard to say at this point, but just, I uh, I just I'm
3: just ready. Just
0: just bring it yeah. on. Yeah, I think it's going to be July again, so we will definitely be ready. And do you want to, do we want to maybe, I don't know, it didn't go so well last time because it took us forever to record even this, but we are definitely thinking of recording some episodes in the very near future, just of some, you know, stuff that was really related to the show that we also like outside the show, you know. Uh, yeah. We, uh, we, we need yeah. a fire starter
1: episode. So, so, yeah, yeah, I'd, that yeah that, that, oh, I'd definitely be down with that. I know fire yeah, yeah, Firestar episode
2: would be good until we finally get our two true freaks Stephen King
3: show,
0: <laughs> Ooh, which yeah.
3: I, I am eagerly awaiting listening to.
0: Who's starting? Well, you know, that you know, I think we are. With all the Dark Tower stuff oh, coming yeah. out, I feel like that's yeah. going to need to, that's definitely going to need to happen.
2: I'm looking over at my book my Stephen King bookshelf and yeah that podcast has fueled to last for a long time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. past any of our lifetimes the way he he's put them out.
2: Well you you, you know. <laughs> yeah, you could you could you, I mean you could do the books and then you start getting into like movies too. Yeah. yeah it's forever.
1: Be a good awesome. excuse to revisit some of
4: that stuff. So
1: yeah. Oh, we should do probably something on the the whole comic references angle. I mean, I'm sure there's a oh wealth yeah. of those. Uh, I'll, really I'll tell you about my... that off air.
2: <laughs> well, I was just gonna say we could do one on that episode of the X Men. Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, actually, Mr. Producer uh, asked if uh, I was—I forgot to mention it to you guys—if um, we wanted to cover that issue for Back to the Bins for uh, if, uh, if, Assistant if, like, Editor's uh, Month.
2: I probably. Oh yeah, let's do it. I probably wouldn't be good okay. for an episode of this episode, but an episode on Dungeons and Dragons would probably
1: sure that too. Yeah,
2: be really yeah. good.
1: good I could yes. add awesome. some experience to that. Lots right. of
3: That's lots of mean. stuff coming down the pike. We're yeah. gonna keep this yeah. train rolling until uh, season two kicks up in September or whenever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. It's
0: a new year. It's uh, yeah. got new energy to jump into it, and I think. You know, it'll just kind of build some momentum for when the the new episodes do drop later in the year. Yeah. Well, so, is there anything else y'all'd like to say about season one before well, we uh sign off? Well, Watch again. But, yeah,
1: but back <laughs> to season two, I think we need to see. I said I uh, we almost need to see gremlins. I think we need to see bad things happening to the whole town. You know, the the upside down breaks through more or something. Um, you have to, you have to increase the the danger, I, I guess. Plus, well, if
2: we remember Gremlins, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so season one, though, I mean, literally just got done watching it again and and enjoyed it, you know, and ready to watch it a third time. Pretty much, it's, it's yeah, i like to to see
0: it again. With. It's. I don't think I've I've watched any of it since we finished up with our recap episodes, but I definitely wouldn't mind watching some of it again. Um, yeah. Warm and fuzzy memories. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Awesome. And some frightening ones because, like I said, yeah. me and me and my friends used to kind of we were you know we were we were hoping to find monsters in the woods where <laughs> yeah, I grew where up. That's where we all. You know, we 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 going around. <laughs> you know, and that was like big Bigfoot craze time and everything. And so if we you were, couldn't find them, you'd make them up. Yeah, we, we did. We had convinced ourselves several Convince times. Yourself, that we, yeah,
2: that those yeah, are Yeah, that we smelled the
1: Bigfoot smell and, oh, maybe that's some tracks there in the mud and, oh, broken trees mean he's been through here. And yeah, you know, yeah, we were, yeah. <laughs> we were hoping to find the monster and we would have pissed and shit ourselves had we actually found one, but,
0: uh, that's yeah. the way it goes. Not also necessarily
2: hoping. in that order either. <laughs>
0: Well, why don't you guys, uh, just kind of share where we can, we can find you on the internet and, uh, we'll get out of here.
1: I do a show with this guy up here in the corner, Mr. Tyler, uh, called Weekly Heroics. We talk about comic book properties that have moved over to the, the boob tube, the television. And I have a lot Which, of fun. Which, by the them. way, I've
0: listened to the first couple episodes that have, uh, Supergirl yeah. um, reviews and stuff. because I've been trying. And emphasis on trying to watch uh, that first season of Super Supergirl on Netflix, and I like it, but something about it is just sometimes I, I can't. I can only do like one episode at a time, basically. So it's been a very slow go. The,
1: yeah, it's not perfect. The but
3: beginning just, of the season is is yeah. slow. It does take yeah. a while to hit its stride. Yeah. But just I just watched. I think thing. the
0: last one I saw was the one with the red tornado, and that one was pretty good.
3: Yeah, it gets better. Cool.
0: Even some of my many nitpicks of the show, I,
1: I still just have to admire it and, and love it for for the balls it has, you know. Sorry, supergirl. Um for <laughs> just pulling such deep cuts out of D C comics and stuff and
0: just being so unapologetically comic booky. Well, I do feel like the cast is pretty strong on that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
1: I also do No Councils for Old Men, which Mr. Tyler just joined me on. Uh we're gonna fire off the Fear of the Walking Dead cast again here pretty soon. Um and
0: Mindless drivel, which can be anything, so awesome. And what, that's about you, what about you, Chris? <laughs> Mr. Honeywell.
3: I'm on two true
2: com. My regular podcast right now is I got Jay Guys and Jedi, which is a Clone Wars podcast, which I'm doing with uh Hope Mullanex, that's a weekly show. Comes out on Tuesdays. We're about just starting up the third season of Clone Wars. Um, though of course the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, which Chris Tyler is in with me along with the them Jack and Eddie boys. And that's a monthly show. I'm working on our, our Dream Warriors episode right now. <laughs> nice. Oh. Which, which, Mr. Tyler you're going to be very happy instead of the usual intro I did a uh, I did a whole song
3: <gasps>
2: so you'll like it
3: of course we got to get rocking with Dockin
2: uh, it's not not Dockin oh Jesus. <laughs> although Dockin will make an appearance twice in that episode okay and um, once uh once the once the sun comes out and the plants start blooming again I'll be Bringing back Garage Shale Gloat with Scott McGregor and the new yep. Gloatmobile. Yep. Gloatmobile 3.0 now. <laughs> yeah. The Gloatmobile.
0: Mobile. keeps um, getting smaller.
2: <laughs> it does. They do. They keep getting progressively smaller until we're in a smart car.
0: <laughs> yeah, y'all are going to so be riding a soon we'll bicycle.
1: Be, so yeah. Pretty soon we'll be. Uh, uh, just only trading in, like, flea circus furniture and things like I'll that. I'll be
2: riding on Scott's back <laughs> yeah. with a pack basket on my back. So it'll be like Master Blaster Blaster.
0: <laughs>
2: and uh, and I'm starting up a new podcast. I don't know how often it's going to come out. We haven't figured it out yet until we get a few episodes recorded yeah. with uh, Mr. Dario Gonzalez. And that will be called "Eat It and Beat it," and it'll be a podcast of food
1: and porn as often as your stomachs and wrists can handle it, I guess oh, probably. My. All right. <laughs> which to a lot of us know is could be
2: fairly often <laughs> <laughs> could be an hourly show the show comes out on the hour. <laughs> <laughs> At least three or four times a day. Is it day. time Come for the on. three o'clock show yet?
0: No.
2: <laughs> wait Do wait, 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 we do the sleeping and shitting podcast.
3: <laughs> oh, man. I'm a pro at both of those things. <laughs> Not that you needed to know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, what yeah, of that? course, and Two True Freaks is filled with about 80 billion zillion podcasts by about 50, 60, 70,000 different freaks.
1: True. Out of control. Join we are us. legion. Join the freaks.
2: We are legion. <laughs> Go to Facebook. There's a Two True Freaks page, and there's a Two True Freaks cantina where you can talk, and there's a, even a Two True Freaks Twitter run by Gene, Gene, the podcasting machine. Gene Hendricks, that is. Yeah.
3: yeah. We, we have merchandise, too. It's somewhere. Cafe Press, I think.
2: Cafe Press, yep.
0: Also it always cracks me up when Gene tries to, to push the merch.
1: <laughs> well...
0: I can't afford our t-shirts, but hopefully it's hard
1: can. With cafe,
2: <laughs> it's hard it's hard with cafe press yeah.
3: well
0: what about that uh, um i guess that's that's about it i um yeah, I do appreciate you guys coming on. Me I think it was a great discussion for season one. We'll Thank definitely uh make some plans for the future, and uh thanks everyone for listening. And you can definitely email the show at castprotection at gmail dot com. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at castprotection, and we do have a uh, Facebook group as well. To search for castprotection. And with that, uh, tune in next time, and we'll uh, we promise we'll get something on a little sooner than this last episode. So thanks. We don't
3: know what it'll be yet. But uh, yeah, that's true. Thanks for listening.
0: Yeah, it'll be something good. All right, thanks guys. There you go. Nice. Nice.
1: Nice. Nice.
2: Now all the lights are gone, things are just too empty yeah the rats
1: are not the brains again and if I
2: F R E A K S. You can email 2 True Freaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2 True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire
1: network if you wish, or pick whichever
2: individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just
1: bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search 2 True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end